Thank you for listening to the Faith Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. Today's sermon for the 13th Sunday after Trinity, September 11th, 2022, is preached by Pastor Jason Goodham. If you have questions or comments regarding today's message, please call the church office at 612-824-5527 or visit our website at faithlutheran-aflc.org. Good morning again. Special welcome to those of you who are visiting us this morning. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I would at this time invite you to stand as I read the gospel lesson appointed for this Sunday. The sermon text is taken from Luke 15, verses 1 through 10, can be found on page 1623 in your pew Bible if you'd like to follow along. Reading in Jesus' name, Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that it's lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance." Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Heavenly Father, these are your words, and your word is truth. We pray that this morning you would sanctify us in the truth, that you would convict us of sin in our lives where that is necessary, and that you would comfort and encourage us in the promises of your gospel. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Today, the Pharisees and the scribes are acting like what my grandfather would call grumpuses. Now, what's a grumpus, you might ask? The best definition for a grumpus comes from the baseball world. And so I apologize for using a sports analogy, but this is the best that there is. A, a baseball player once said of legendary baseball manager Earl Weaver to a reporter, Oh, you know Earl, he's not happy unless he's not happy. That's what a grumpus is. Someone who is addicted to being grumpy. And grumpus is a term that perfectly describes the scribes and the Pharisees. They're not happy about Jesus. And in fact, in the Gospels, they're never happy about Jesus. And they want to be even less happy because they want to find him guilty of heresy and everything else. That's what makes Jesus' parables in our gospel lesson this morning so striking. Not only do they describe the reason for Jesus accepting tax collectors and sinners, the very thing the Pharisees are grumbling about, but in both cases, the outcome of the parables is joy. The very thing that makes the Pharisees and the tax collectors grumpy brings Jesus brings the Father, brings the Holy Spirit, brings all the angels in heaven joy. And so with that in mind, we turn our eyes back to Luke 15 this morning to see what Jesus teaches us about his joy. 
And as we do that, first thing we need to do is set the scene. The tax collectors and sinners are flocking to Jesus. Now, this is the very first thing I want to point out, because in the Gospels, the tax collectors and the sinners never flock to the Pharisees. Never, ever. There is nothing endearing about the religious elite that attracts those who need the gospel to them. But Jesus comes along, and the sinners, and the tax collectors, and the poor, and the needy, and those in need of healing, they come to Jesus because he has what they need. Now this, in turn, is a great scandal because Jesus doesn't turn them away. And the second impression of this scene is that if the tax collectors and if the sinners had flocked to the Pharisees, the Pharisees would have sent them off. And so it's, it's a mutually agreed upon deal. The Pharisees aren't bothered and the tax collectors and sinners don't bother them. But they come to Jesus and he receives them and he accepts them. Now, for, for people who are so greedy for pride of place and prestige in society, why would the Pharisees grumble about Jesus' audience? They don't want them. They want nothing to do with them. Why are they grumbling? Well, first, it's because they're the elite. Jesus is lowering the office of teacher and rabbi by accepting and receiving the common people. What Jesus is doing would have been considered by the Pharisees to be below him. And there's this pride in position. The Pharisees at all times coveted the respect and maybe even the fear of the people without actually being involved with them. They wanted adoration without involvement. In short, they wanted to be celebrities, but only celebrities in the walled-off communities of Beverly Hills where normal people don't go. But I think there's another reason, and it's one that we're going to address later on in the message. I think there's genuine confusion about what Jesus is doing and why he's doing it. I think to some of the Pharisees, I don't think all of the Pharisees were jerks. I think some of them were, but I think some of them were, were, were genuinely puzzled and offended by what Jesus was doing because Jesus receiving sinners to them looked like he was approving of their lifestyle. Looked like he was affirming their sin. And in this, there will be a payoff at the end of the message, okay? So that's the scene. And in this scene, Jesus recognizes an opportunity to teach, and so he responds to the grumbling of the Pharisees and the scribes by teaching two parables. Now these two parables are largely saying the same thing. They have the same message, except the first parable about the sheep teaches us a little bit more about Jesus, and the second parable about the coin teaches us a little bit more about the sinner. And we'll keep that in mind. First, the parable of the lost sheep. I think... The best way to understand the parable of the lost sheep as we look at the whole of Scripture is that Psalm 23 was written by the lost sheep. 
then you will understand exactly what's going on with this parable. If you read Psalm 23 as the words of the sheep that Jesus finds, you'll get the joy that's going on in this. But in this parable, Jesus wants him to see, or wants us to see him as the good shepherd. And again, there's rich biblical evidence for this. I've already mentioned Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. We heard about it today from Steve in the Old Testament lesson in Ezekiel 34, that God must be the good shepherd because all of the other leaders of God's people have failed. And so in the Old Testament today, in the Old Testament lesson today, we heard God say himself, I will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Jesus is identifying himself with the role of God in the person of the good shepherd. And so the main idea of Jesus' teaching is about the shepherd who pursues his sheep. Now what's interesting is that this parable then is not about the sheep at all. It's not about the lost sheep. In Jesus' teaching, we don't know why the sheep is lost. We don't know if it was scared away from the flock or out of dumb sheep curiosity it wandered away or anything like this. The sheep is lost. And when it's found, what we know is that the sheep is utterly helpless. It contributes nothing to the story. The shepherd doesn't smack the sheep on the backside to hurt it back. The shepherd doesn't punish or scold the sheep, the shepherd merely picks up the sheep, puts it on its shoulders, and bears the weight of the sheep's helplessness as he returns to the community. And he's glad to do it. He rejoices. He rejoices to the extent that he invites the entire community to celebrate at recovering one lost sheep. And all that is great. It brings us warm fuzzies. We're happy to do this. But what we must also recognize is that this parable is not about the other 99 sheep at all. In fact, if we were to look at this just from the position of agriculture, the shepherd is entirely reckless. The sheep aren't in the sheep pen. They're just there, out there. And there's a key in the parable that helps us understand exactly what's going on. Heaven doesn't rejoice over 99 who need no repentance. That's kind of the paraphrase of what's going on. But we have to stop and recognize who among the sheep doesn't need repentance. All of them need to repent. Which means the, the, the position of the parable that Jesus teaches is that, in fact, all 100 sheep are lost. The other 99 aren't safe. They're this, just there. So that the picture of Jesus as the good shepherd going to find the other sheep 
could be a picture of him finding any one of us. Every time a sheep is found, every time it's brought back into the sheepfold, that's what Jesus does. The parable is all about the activity of the shepherd. And for the Pharisees who were listening, there would have been a great deal of offense with what Jesus says. Because Jesus says the Pharisees are lost. The self-righteous and the proud and the elite are lost. And then Jesus turns the tide. And he teaches us the parable of the lost coin. And in this case, we can't overly focus on the role of Jesus in the parable because it's implied that the woman lost the coin. We, we, we cannot jump through those theological hoops, so we're not going to do it, okay? What we're intended to do is to focus on the coin and, about, and focus on what the, what the parable teaches us about the sinner, And the teaching here is that we have nothing to offer God for our salvation. Just like the coin, we're as good as dead. It's not just that our sins cripple us and harm us and even destroy our relationship with God, which is all true. In sin, and because of sin, we are literally dead. We're as helpless as corpses inanimate objects. And Jesus is the one who finds us and saves us and restores us. And again, Jesus is the one who celebrates. And so what's the point? What's the outcome? What's the desired lesson Jesus is teaching? As Jesus preaches to us this morning in his word, He preaches to it to us in the words of the scribes and the Pharisees. He turns their own grumbling in on themselves. The scribes and the Pharisees have preached. Jesus receives the sinners. And to that, Jesus says, Amen. And he celebrates. But as Jesus receives sinners, it's not because he approves of their lifestyle Jesus receives sinners because he has exactly what they need. Deliverance and rescue and salvation and restoration. Jesus receives sinners. And this means two things for us this morning. One, if you are not a sinner, Jesus has no room for you. You can go about your business with the other 99 And you can go before God in your own righteousness as he separates the sheep from the goats and see how that works out for you. This morning, the word of God leaves you alone. But if you are a sinner, if you are lost, and the Bible tells us we all are lost, then Jesus receives you. But more than that, Jesus hunts you down and he finds you and he carries you back in to the sheepfold. He welcomes you. He has done everything he, you need and at the end, he celebrates with exceedingly great joy that only God is capable of. You are that lost sheep. Wounded, terrified, lost 
on the barren mountainside or in the darkness of the wilderness. And Jesus is the good shepherd who pursues you, who bears the burden of your sin and lostness, and who brings you back in to his sheepfold. You are the lost coin, as good as an inanimate object, as far as eternity is concerned especially, completely unable to help yourself or improve your position or do anything but lay on the floor under the dresser. But Jesus has sought you and he has found you and he has made you his own again. What's the result of all of this? Well, the result is forgiveness. Jesus doesn't accept you the way you are. He finds you the way you are, but he doesn't ignore your sins. Jesus deals with your sins. He pays the price you deserve for your sins. And in doing so, you are restored. You are forgiven. You are received. And in your forgiveness, Jesus throws a feast. He celebrates. And this points us to and causes us to hunger for the feast that will be given for all time in heaven, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Eternity is the outcome of Jesus' celebration. Jesus' love for you doesn't give you a second chance to get things right and to prove your worth. Jesus' love for you is the right thing. Jesus' love for you is what gives you worth. And Jesus' love for you is what delivers you into eternity with him to celebrate. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.